This is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Rost. A two-hour Seahawks show getting you ready for week three. We're going to have uh, Gabe Jackson joining us. You're going to hear from the head coach himself, Pete Carroll. We're going to have some analysts, including the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. But before we get to any of it, it's going to hurt, but we got to look back. we got to look back at week two. The Seattle Seahawks lost uh, in a battle against the 49ers, their first road game of the season. 49ers take this one 27-7. Seattle still unable to get into the end zone. Their lone score is actually a, uh, a return um, by, uh, by the defense to get into the end zone. So still no offensive score for Geno Smith and the Seahawks since the first half of week one against the Denver Broncos. Geno Smith, 24 of 30, really good completion percentage, just 197 yards, not too bad. The big problem for Seattle in this one. How about those penalties? 10 penalties for 106 yards, Dave. I'm going to start with you. What were some of the biggest mistakes in this one? Yeah, certainly the penalties. Um, let's see. <laughs> they, they, you know, they had, what, 10 penalties for 106 yards, and then yeah. San Francisco had one, which is weird because the, the week before they had 12 for 99. Um, 25 first downs for San Francisco, 14 for the Seahawks. And a lot of those, uh, there was a lot of drives extended because of penalties so or shut down on the offensive side. I, I think the, the big thing is the 36 yards, uh, rushing and and they had 189. I think the way it went, a lot of people were talking about. Well, why didn't they run the ball more? I think when they got into the second half, they got down early because of the turnovers, and then all of a sudden it was like, how do we come back in this game? Running the ball probably not the best option. So it's one of those things you look at at the end of the day and kind of go, okay, the numbers tell one story, but if you go through the game as you know uh, as the the time ticks away you know you start to see the you know the deficit and uh and points scored and then you know you kind of get away from the running game and start going to the passing game and like you said stacy i mean good completion percentage um yeah great there but you know turn the ball over too many times and um yeah a lot of mistakes you just can't do that against san francisco yeah, especially when uh, San Fran is going to control the clock. That's exactly what they did. They possessed the ball for 38 minutes. The Hawks had it for 21 minutes. Also, the 49ers ran 70 plays on offense. The Hawks ran 47. The Hawks were two for seven on third down. So if you're not possessing the ball, you're not converting on third downs, you're not getting your plays going, it's hard to build an offense off of 47 plays. Right. The better teams run around 60 plays per game and then you're able to build off it like we saw that three men or three running back backfield with Gino at the point, two offset backs, one guy in the back um, in that that pistol look. And they weren't weren't able to build off of that because they they didn't run it. And then we saw the wildcat. It's like, okay, you see that once or twice and you try a trick Mm -hmm. play. So it's hard to build an offense when you're not converting on third downs, you're not possessing the ball, um, and you're not showing the defense a lot. And I think it's the 49ers day. They they control the line of scrimmage. And we all know, man, it's all about those trenches. Now, as a linebacker, you want your D lineman to occupy guys so you can make plays. Offensively, you want to get a push on that defensive line so, one, you can protect your quarterback, but in the run game, um, you allow your running back to see the gaps and run through it. So there, there was a bunch of things that happened, a few big plays that, that – um, that messed things up for him. The fumble with, with Lockett, the interception, mm-hmm. the flea flicker that was called back. It was almost like anything that could have gone wrong did for the Seahawks. Yeah.
Yeah, and Dave, I uh, I want to actually go to some of those missed tackles. The weirdest thing to me about this game is they knew heading into it, because we, if we know, and we're talking about it, they absolutely know that this is going to be one on the ground. This is um, a head coach, and this is a team that likes to run the ball. They had 45 carries, almost uh, 190 yards uh, on the ground against Seattle, which is not a number Pete Carroll likes. And the weird thing, Dave, is you know that Pete Carroll knew that they would run the ball, and yet um, this defense was unable to stop them. Is it mistakes you saw more on the part of Seattle? Is there something San Francisco did so well? Because there is something about running the ball and doing it effectively when they know you're going to do it. The bad news is with Jimmy G in there, because we didn't really know what Trey Lance was going to be about. With Jimmy G in there, this is a playoff team, guys. I mean, their personnel is fantastic. I mean, you look at, I sent Big Ray a, uh, you know, we're looking at the all 22 film and against Chicago, Aaron Banks, their left guard, and then Trent Williams, who may be the top 10 best mm-hmm. football player in the league. They both got hooks on a fly sweep with players. The, the defenders were way outside of them. And so they just they're so good at that and they don't give anything away. And and here here's the thing I focused on the most it was the run game in the from the standpoint of they don't give away what they're doing when the ball is snapped. So um one play that ran for 8 yards it was early in the first quarter um the the offensive lineman kind of stepped just straight forward where you don't really know where they're what they're doing. They run a toss to that side where the guys are just stepping forward. So the the inside linebackers get a read like, okay, this is an inside play. And then and then they, you know, they end up getting a pin from Debo Samuel blocks Nuosu. And then the linebackers aren't able to get over the top of their blocks. And that that I thought the two inside guys, they're great players, you know, Cody and Jordan, but they both need to get off of blocks a, a lot better. They need to get better at that. But they're I give a lot of the credit to their offense and their run game and the way they run. We always hear about the, you know, what was it called? The illusion of complexity. They do, mm-hmm. they do all these shifts and everything, but really once the ball snapped is where it really happens. Um, they're, they're so good. So, you know, I'm, the Seahawks got to stop that. They got to get off blocks. They got to not miss tackles, all those things. But, you know, it's just kind of me tipping my cap a little bit to San Francisco and how good their running game is. And it's bad news for the Seahawks because they're in our division. This could be a question for both of you. Bump, I'll start with you. But Dave, if you have anything to add after, feel free. Because I think it's a big question fans have is, well, how do you fix it? Like, how do you fix the missed tackles? How do you fix the blocks? Is there a way to practice it out? Yeah, well, you listen to KJ um, during the KJ Wright Show 8 to 9 on Wednesdays. He says, look, it goes back to just practicing it at practice. Practice open field tackles. He said practice being inside a box and tight area making tackles. And then a lot of it, man, and and – Dave, you can speak to this better than I can. It's technique and want to. I always think it's like rebounding. Like if you good rebounders are rebounders because they will box you out, they put your body on you, they use their technique, and they want to do it. And then also defensively, I mean, you, you got to set guys up for that as well. You know what I mean? There were some things on defense that I saw that I felt didn't really help the linebackers uh, get to the get to these guys and um, and make those plays in the backfield. But it comes down to, to exactly what Dave and what Pete have been saying. You have to get off of blocks and gang tackle, especially when you are playing against a guy like Debo Samuel, who more than likely is going to break the first tackle, right? That first guy, get your hands on him, slow him down, and then the rest of the hats get to the ball. Yeah, and you know what? If you look at on the other side of the ball, the San Francisco defense, they didn't fall for 
anything. Nothing. You know, the, the reverse, uh, the, the throwback to Gino, they were all over it. The fly sweep, they were all over. Yeah. Obviously, they were there when DJ runs the, uh, you know, read option um, and, and throws the ball. Or I'm sorry, Ken Walker runs it. So, yeah, and you know what? I, to answer your question, Stacy, I think what needs to happen is, like, just you need to have, like, a clinic during the week. One of the things, and I'm not sure, I think Pete does a much better job at this, but once the season starts, um, we didn't work a lot on technique. I know when I was a, an NFL player, because you're expected to be able to tackle, you're expected to be able to get off blocks. But I think that, you know, maybe for your inside backers, just do a clinic one day a week of getting off blocks, how to, you know, how to hit the guy and, you know, shed him and get, you know, shed the guy away from the play side for tackling, you know, just run tons and tons of tackling drills, you know, that, you know, for the outside guys, especially, and then for the inside guys getting off blocks. So I, I think, mm -hmm. you know, I think Pete's really good that way. I think he, um, during his practices, there's a lot of technique. I think Clint Hurt's big on that too. And, um, yeah, that's just what they need to get back to because this is, this is basic stuff. I mean, look, Daryl Taylor has a, a tackle for a three-yard loss on Debo Samuel. Now, that's a really good football player, but it ends up a 51-yarder. So, you know, those are the kinds of things that even a, just a little thing like that, you know, and if he made that tackle, nobody would – I mean, you go, wow, that's nice, nice job. But he was right there in position to do that. And, you know, we, we wouldn't be talking about that 51-yard run. So yeah. it's just getting back to the basics, and which right. I know a lot of people are tired of hearing that. Sorry, Stacey. But, no. you know, um, it, it's, it, it really is true because, and we'll get into this later, but they have a bunch of young guys that they just need to keep putting them out there, man. Keep putting them out there and let them make their mistakes and fix them. Who are some of the young guys whose development you think matters most? Uh, well, for me, I, I, to me, it's, I mean, look, Kobe Bryant has an illegal contact and a pass interference. Michael Jackson has two PIs. Woolen has two PIs. I mean, those are the guys. Uh, Abe Lucas, he's in downfield, false start, holding. Daryl Taylor, offsides a couple of times. I mean, yeah, those are the guys that, uh, that really need to, you know, just – just keep working, man. Just keep working. Put those, keep putting those young guys out there. I, I was comparing it to Top Gun. Remember when Viper, uh, when Maverick kind of lost it after Goose died? Sure. And totally. then uh, Commander Viper said, "Just keep sending them up. Keep sending them up." That's what I would say about these these young guys. Keep putting them out there, man. Keep putting them out there, and they will get it down eventually. All right, you guys are listening to the huddle. Coming up next, uh, we're going to get started. That was enough of a look back. Enough of a look back. We'll probably uh, dabble into week two just a little bit. But for the most part, we're looking ahead to week three against the Atlanta Falcons. Seahawks return home for this one. Pete Carroll going to get us started. His press conference coming up next. You are listening to the huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. Seahawks practice just wrapped. We are waiting on Pete Carroll to hit the podium for his weekly Wednesday press conference. Uh, before we get to that, though, let's uh, quickly, quickly keep moving the conversation forward here ahead to week three. Now, it sounds like I'm talking about week two, but I promise I'm not. So uh, I went to I went to Wyman for a, a question about some of those missed tackles and how they fix that. A question about some young players as well. Bump, I'm going to start with you. And my question is, DK Metcalf, not involved nearly enough. Now, credit to Tyler Lockett, nine receptions or excuse me, nine targets for 107 yards. DK Metcalf, just 35 yards. How did the Seahawks get him involved more? Um, one, I think you can do some pre-snap adjustments. There was a couple of times where I'm watching film and they got DK to the single receiver side. You got two or three receivers to the right, DK's to the left. You got a corner who's playing off six or seven yards. And his first move is bailing. He wants to get out of there. He doesn't want to get beat deep. 
So if he can get on the same page, him and Gino, Gino throw him the, the hitch sign or the slant sign or something, I think that's a way to get him the football right now when you're playing soft coverage. Also, there was another instance where I'm watching film, and uh, there's a double move. It's actually on that interception that Gino threw to Lockett. Um, DK had a hitch and go, or he converted a hitch into a go, and he has the DBB. The DB's on his hip, but he has like half a step on him. In the NFL, that is B, right? So take more chances with that type of coverage because DK has shown that he can win those 50-50 footballs. So I think it's pre-snap adjustments. Obviously, you have to design some plays to get him open. But when he has a step on a guy, don't be afraid to throw that football, let it go. All right, uh, Wyman, I might cut you off if Pete hits the podium, okay. but otherwise I'm going to let you go here. Um, what, have you, uh, what have you seen so far from the offense? It could be what you've liked, and it could be what you want to see more of. Well, I think I think think Penny is just a, a, a cut or two away from from breaking yeah. one. Same thing with Ken Walker. He was just a little bit his timing. You could see he had, a, he had one, I think one carry that went for eight yards and the other three went for two. So, you know, I, I, I feel like those guys are going to continue to develop. Yeah, with with DK, I mean, they're, they're kind of sitting on the slant. Uh, with him, I, I feel like if you beat him over the top a couple of times with DK Metcalf, which I think is, I don't want to say easily done, but he certainly wins the size, strength, strength of hands battle uh, over any DB, then, you know, the underneath stuff will start to open up for him a little bit. Um, guys, there's another receiver I'd love to see involved more. It's Ooh, not yeah. Tyler Lockett because he's doing a great job. It's D. Eskridge. Bump. Mm. How? Can they get him being used? Oh, just kidding. I'm going to interrupt myself. Pete Carroll talking to reporters now. We'll take you there live. Uh, just begin his rehab. Um, but everybody sounds pleased that it worked out okay. Do you have an idea of how long he's going to no. be out for? No, no. Did he do just the, the knee or the fingers too? No, they didn't do anything with the fingers as far as I, I know. I didn't hear about that at all. He's already had those worked on, kind of, you know. I thought he needed something after. They might, but it's not. That's not the main concern right now. And, and was it a torn quad tendon? Is that the official? Yeah, sounds pretty good. We'll go with that. Okay. Is he away from the team indefinitely, or what's the plan? He's going to be there for a bit while he starts his rehab. Pete, facing a team that's seventh ranked rushing, just a, the task of. Try to make them one-dimensional. Any team one-dimensional that can run the ball well. Yeah, we we certainly want to have to attend to that. They they've looked really good. The running backs have looked good. Um, the quarterback has been a big factor already. You know, they've really transitioned quickly uh, to Marcus being in there and shifted the emphasis where he's a big part of the run game too. Um, he's averaging almost five yards a carry. You know, so that's 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 always a difficult deal. Uh, you know, on, up for us, you know, it always is because they they run option football. So. Um, we got to take care of that. Arthur Smith has talked about building a team that likes to run the ball and play good defense. Do you see similarities in what they are building their team around and, and what you are? Yeah, that's you know you you've heard me long enough. That's I, I think that's a good way to go. Um, and he's he's getting it done. It, it looks like that's that's where they are. They're very active on defense, very multiple and in, in, in challenging there, as well as with the with the new dimensions of the run game really make it difficult. Can you tell in week three that maybe week one and week two we're still sorting out? No, I, I, that's really happening. We're still, and I think a lot of teams are, you know, they're, they're learning, you know, what looks right for you with your guys, how far have they come, you know, how much can you use them. Um, we're, we're adapting as we go. That, that'll be ongoing. In every season, it's like that. You know, you got to figure out how it all fits together. And, 
is it like you projected and, and where are the you know the, the guys that have stepped up and done some things that you know may, may have changed your outlook so um, that we're still there we're still working on it well the 49ers had a lot to do with it last week they they did a terrific job on us and and uh, um, we weren't able to get the kind of the kind of spacing that we were used to you know that we were counting on and uh, so we we have to be better at the line of scrimmage. We got to be stouter. We got to make sure that we don't get penetration and, and they get the negative plays and the plays that you know that keep you from feeling good about the running game. Uh, you got any more info on Damian Lewis? Um, he went through the walkthrough today, so um, he's he's got a, a thigh bruise, um, but um, he, he got a lot more done than we thought he would. He looked okay moving around. So I don't know. I think we'll take it easy on him today and, and you know take each day one one at a time here. But that's a good indication. And, and one more on the running game. With, with Rashad and Ken, Kenneth, was it hard to just, I mean, they didn't have much room to run? No, they, so. they, it, it's, we didn't get the observations made. There was not enough opportunities to, to see stuff that we wanted to see. So uh, we'll, we'll go at it again this week. Can make it out of the game, okay, with this? Yeah, yeah, he was fine. Shelby going to practice today? Um, no, no, he's not. <clears throat> Matter of fact, he has a, he's got a family thing he's working on. Uh, he has to take care of business. So he's not here today. The TV broadcast showed DK pointing at his hand and his back at some points on Sunday. Is he fine coming out of the game? Interview? Yeah, he was fine today. Yeah, he got he got you know uh, whacked whacked a couple times, but he's fine. He, he bounced right back. Uh, last uh, last year, you guys were really good against the run, kind of making teams one dimensional like you wanted to. But some of the passing numbers still weren't there. Pass rush numbers weren't there. What did you learn about last season and that the idea that like just stopping the run may not be enough? We never just tried to stop the run. <laughs> we just did it okay, you know. Um, it's always been, it's always been, you know, an important part of the game. And so, uh, um, I didn't learn anything as far as those results to these results. Speaking of stopping the run, Al Woods three tackles for a loss in that game. Which yeah, he continues to be really, you know, really successful pounding the line of scrimmage. He's knocking guys back. He's make, making plays. Uh, his his, you know, he's so big and so strong, and he's he's playing really hard too. He's chasing the football well. He's done a lot of really good things, and it's, it's turning out to be very productive. Red zone efficiency on defense has been really good, picking up from where you left off last year. What's gone into that in the first couple of games? Say the beginning of the question again. Red zone efficiency, yeah. keeping opponents. Yeah, um, yeah. I I think it's uh, we have some background where we've you know we've had good success. We know what we're doing and, and uh, what we've added to it with with the stuff we have with the new uh, the new look at it um, has been you know it's been effective right off the bat. Right now, people don't know what we're doing. You know, they, they have to figure us out, and so we have a little bit of an advantage in that regard. It's been several years since you've gone up against Marcus Mariota. What? How has he evolved as a as a quarterback? Has he shown similar traits to when you guys saw? Him? Five years ago, ten I've always liked him. I've always liked his athleticism and his running ability, and and uh, and he's always been able to do a little bit of everything well. You know, he's been able to throw the ball too. Um, he kind of got mired in, in in a backup role. Um, he looks like a starter to me. You know, he's back at it and he's doing great. Um, what you see is that he, he's he's still a real threat to run the football. He's really fast and he plays fast and he's and he's uh, got a good attitude about. It. He's aggressive with the way he takes off and runs and, and you know it's. 
they get vulnerable there, but still, he is, uh, he's making the most of his opportunities. I think this, the way that they have shown it in the first couple of weeks, um, it really plays to his strengths. That's why I say that, that uh, Coach has done a nice job of transitioning, you know, from a different, a totally different makeup of a quarterback, and right immediately it showed up that they were able to take advantage of, of what Marcus can do. Is it that drastic of a shift for their offensive system that they've gone? I mean, is it completely... Well, there wasn't very many. There wasn't much concern for Matt, you know, running the ball. (laughs) You know, he was a classic, you know, uh, pocket quarterback. So this is almost the other extreme, you know. And so um, it's a big change. That's why I, you know, I, you know, acknowledge that they've made a a nice transition quickly, and it's it's felt. We already feel the difference. Patterson's career transition has been interesting, obviously receiver and running back. What's sort of the challenge of him and how he works? Yeah, he's he's been a remarkable player. Always, and but it has been, uh, you know, it's it's been a process for people to figure out where the best place to put him is, you know, because he's been a receiver that never really got over the the hump there, and and uh, he's always been a phenomenal returner, and uh, as good as you could get, and uh, but he seems to be settling in at the running back spot. He doesn't. He looks different than the running backs that you've seen. He won't look the same. The numbers are so different and all that. But he's really tall and he's really fast. And, and uh, but he's taken to it. And uh, they're off to a good start with him. They have a nice mix with the running with their runners. Kyle Pitts has been used a lot as a blocker this year. But what's the threat that he poses if he gets going there? Well, they're they're, they're lining him up outside and throwing goal balls to him. You know, and and uh, so that's a big statement in itself. And he's a guy that that you can tell they really like. And they're going. They're looking for ways to get him the football. It hasn't turned out maybe as uh, it's productively yet, but it's coming because he's a really talented kid. He looks like a wide receiver playing. How's Daryl Taylor doing with the new defense? Um, he, he's learning. He's learning. I think uh, we're, we're as we're adjusting, you know, in this early part of the season, we're trying to figure out how how best to use our guys and you know proportionally rushing versus playing on early downs and stuff like that. So we're we're working at that. Um, he can do everything, you know, and. and uh, we particularly like him as a rusher coming off the edge because of his speed and all that. So, um, you know, we're, we're learning. He's learning. We're learning. It seemed like Daryl Johnson actually gave you some nice plays on defense yeah, last week. Well, what have you liked to see about him since he's come over? And uh, he's, a, he's a real natural football player. And it's, it's why he looks good in special teams. You know, I mean, there's not very many 260-pound guys running down on kickoffs and punts and making plays, too. He's got sense and, and awareness. Uh, he's also a really good technical technician at the line of scrimmage. He can play three technique or five technique or nine technique. He can do them all. And he, he just gets in there and he's just been raised right. And he's got the real long arms that he has. He, he uses his length and, and, uh, and he's been, a, you know, the, the aggressiveness shows up on the special teams from before. Uh, and it showed up in, in the game. You had a couple big shots, you know. And, and so um, he's, he's made a really positive impression. We're, we'll see more of him. We're going we're gonna to play him more. Yes. How has uh, Cody handled starting? Cody Barton's being the starter now. Yeah, Cody's Cody's taken to it. He's 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 learning the system well. He's in it. Uh, he's you see him starting to pick his times to take shots. You know, making plays and going after stuff. That's when guys feel confident and they're, they're, they know they're doing the right thing instead of wondering if they're doing the right thing. Uh, I think he's going to continue to show up in, in those kinds of settings. He's going to make plays in the backfield. He's going to make plays on the perimeter. Um, he's got really good ball instincts. He was a DB, you know, and a safety and, and all that kind of stuff. You can see it when he gets on the perimeter in, in, in his coverage and all. So um, there's there's a lot of stuff we're still working on, but he's he's made a good transition and he's you know he owns the spot right now.
D. Eskridge, I think, has played 11 snaps combined. What's keeping him off the field? It's just taking time. It's just taking time to get him comfortable where he's really consistent with his stuff. He's got to learn, you know, our stuff. And, and uh, he's getting there. He, he's working hard at it. He's just missed so much time. He's just, it's, it's, it's still, he's a, a, in a rookie process to me, you know, and I hate to put him into a rookie year again, but he, but I, I see it that way. It's going to take him some time, and we're going to, we want him playing, we want him out there. We, he's got talent that we need to utilize, um, but we, we he's, a, he's a case of, of a guy when I don't want to do too much too early and get him screwed up, and so we're, we're just trying to bring him along, and uh, he's ready to, he, he's dying to play more. Physically, is he right? He's fine, okay. yeah. Does Justin Coleman have a chance to get back this week? Um... I don't know that yet. It, it, not on this day. He's not going to go today. Pete, after uh, the game, you said Gino you know, couldn't really get it going, and then the next day, you know, trust him, can't hold him back. Was there anything that you saw on the film that, that made you change your perspective? Well, seeing that that you know we didn't find our explosions in the, in the game, you know, and uh, um, I, I felt like. There's no reason not to go for our stuff. And we, we have all kinds of things that we want to do, and I think we can do more of it, just the things that we work on and all. Uh, and with this thought that I'm not going to wait for you know, three or four more weeks to figure out what Gino's looking like, I think he looks really good. I'm convinced that he, what he's done in practice and what we've seen, he's carried to the games. The game's not too big. He's very comfortable in the games. He's very poised about stuff, and he's accurate as heck. And, and uh, there's no reason to... to be worried about him at all. The, the process, I think he's, that's really the statement I was making. I'm, I feel better about it, and, and I know the coaches do, and uh, you know, we've not played many games where guys complete 80% of their passes for a couple weeks. You know, that's, it's, nobody has, you know, so um, uh, we're just going to just gonna go and, and see if we can get this thing rolling at a better clip than we have been. How do you felt uh, Josh Jones has played? Good. He's doing well. Yeah, he's doing a nice job. Um, you'll, you'll see him continue to get moved around and do more things with him. Um, he's been real productive for us and, and active, and, and uh, we have a lot of confidence in him. How do you like the way that your team has responded to Sunday? Just kind of bounce back. I'll, I'll let you know a little bit later. I want to I I know after seeing him on the field today and, and get back Thursday and get rolling. What I do like, this is finally a regular week. And, uh, you know, we cherish the routine of it and in, in to, to get our mentality right and, and our process right and our recovery right and all of that. This is really the first week that it feels like it's a normal uh, a sequence. So um, I'm anxious to really capture it this, this week and, and take advantage of it. What have you learned about Charles and Eve through these first two games? They're, they're, they're doing it. They're playing, you know. They're out there doing it, and they're they're holding holding up their own. Um, they're really attentive to the things that they need to improve on, you know. That we in communicating with them, they're not being hard headed about it. They're not being where they can't handle the you know the the criticism and, and the, the critique. Um, that means that there's nothing holding them back now. We just got to keep going and keep playing. They've seen some pretty darn good guys already. Um, they'll continue to see good guys, you know, each week, week in and week out. But that's we're, we're starting to build a little little reservoir of, of experience. So it's. Uh, it's nothing but positive. When you asked about Kobe after the game, you said you kind of need to look at it more. Now, now that you've gone back and revisited his play. Yeah, he, he, he played a solid game. Unfortunately, he had the penalties, you know, that, that uh, penalties that got us. And, and that's, those don't have to happen. Those are plays that we can get rid of. You know, we had, Michael had two and he had a couple, you know, we, we can get rid of those. And that, that's something, we're making a big deal about it. You know, understanding what the officials are calling, what, you know, what, what is allowed and what isn't. Um, I'm still concerned about, uh, we've had like four deep balls called, and, and uh, we've been all over the deep balls with, our, with the corners, with Michael and, and with Wool, and uh, three of them have been penalties. 
you know, when we can't cover them any tighter. So I'm still trying to help them find their way to the finesse part of it at the end of the play. And they're not, and there's, there's a case where guys panic at that situation and they'll grab and they'll do stuff. They're not doing that. They're, they're in control of what's going on. So I know that we're going to be able to clean that up. Head coach Pete Carroll, we are getting you guys ready. Plenty more to come as we preview week three for the Seahawks. This is the huddle. You are listening to the huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. Gabe Jackson going to join us in just a few minutes. Before we get to that, though, let's take a look ahead to the Seahawks week three opponent. Seattle's back at home for this one at Lumen Field, taking on the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Wyman, I'm going to start with you for this one. The Falcons heading into this season had really low expectations. They've had some surprises, though. Uh, Tell us a bit about this team. What do you see? Yeah, well, I mean, this is uh, how the NFL goes, because first you look at the schedule and you go, all right, we should be able to take that one. We should be able to take that one. Then you get in the week and go, damn. Okay, (laughs) you got Grady Jarrett with a a sack and a half so far. Drake London, uh, 19 targets, 13 catches, 160 yards. He's their first rounder out of USC. So, you know, and then Cordero Patterson, 80, almost good for 100 yards a game. So, you know, and I'll probably be saying this against, you know, most teams that they play, like, you know, we played Detroit, New Orleans after this, that it's more about the Seahawks. Really, I mean, and them being fundamentally sound and everything. But this is uh, this is a good team. You got Jake Matthews. I mean, they're they're very well staffed as far as the you know talent goes. But but again, they have a question mark at, at quarterback, and mm-hmm. you know that's that's familiar for uh, a lot of teams in the NFL. He's thrown a couple of couple of interceptions, but man, you look at their offense. They put up bump twenty six and twenty seven, and they were in that Rams game, man. As much as Cooper Cup was just shredding them. Uh, they they came back and made it a game. Yeah, Falcons got hard. You know, they were down, what, a bunch of points, uh, several scores and came back and made the game. Interesting. We just look at them. You mentioned how the points that they put up, they're ninth in the league with 26.5 points per game. They will run the football, averaging 145 yards on the ground. That's good for seventh in the league. And then I also look at time of possession, possession, possessing the football. We know that's been an issue for the Seahawks. They've held the rock for about 31 minutes per game. So you combine that with the coaching staff you mentioned with the talent that they have over there. Marcus Mariota is good for a couple good plays a game. Um, you got Kyle Pitts, the, uh, the receiver slash tight end out of Florida going into his second year. Only had one touchdown last year. They're expecting a bit more out of him. You know, as you know, Dave, you can't sleep on any team in the league. Yeah. And you're right. Going into the season, you look at uh, this Atlanta game and then the Lions game, you're like, okay, you can count on those being wins. But as the season develops, as the weeks go by, each team presents a different challenge. Then you look within yourself and the Seahawks and you say, okay, there are some things that they need to get going. So I'm just looking for the Seahawks to be the more physical team Mm -hmm. against the Falcons. I think after last week and pushed around a little bit, that should be a point of emphasis. You mentioned presenting new challenges each week. Also come new opportunities, though. The Falcons defense, uh, not great so far. Now, uh, we're one to talk here in Seattle. Obviously, uh, the Seahawks have their own stuff to work out. But against the pass, the Falcons uh, rank 22nd. They're better against the rush, allowing 108 yards per game. Still uh, not great. Importantly, though, they're 27th in points allowed allowing almost 30 points per game so far. Wyman, I'll start with you for this one. The Seahawks missed the end zone. They would like a reunion with the end zone. What needs to happen here? <laughs> well, I'm going to be the boring old coach. They need to execute. But, you know, like I said with uh, with Gabe, and, and he seemed to feel that, that same way, that they're just a couple of plays or a couple of moves from busting 
big, big plays. Great example would be, nobody wants to, to remember this, but Debo Samuel breaks one tackle in the backfield, and he's off to the races, 51 yards. I mean, Rashad Penny can do that. Ken Walker, I'm really curious to see. Like like I said, he, he had a couple of moves where it's like, I think he's. you can see that he's figuring it out. That like okay that doesn't work in the nfl okay that doesn't work in the nfl and i feel like he's gonna find that at some point so hopefully yeah they'll get and we'll get back to the i think i think we saw gino pressing the other day uh against the 49ers and like we talked about before against a really good sound defense D'Amico ryan's had that that team in the d coordinator he had that team in the top 10 in almost every category last year so um yeah i, th- I think that there it, it's been a tough go from that regard but i'm hoping to see something more like what we saw against the broncos all right well let's get some insight from one of those offensive players offensive lineman gabe jackson joins us next on the huddle don't go anywhere you are listening to the huddle with dave wyman michael bumpus and stacy ross joining us now our first time talking to you it's gabe jackson uh you just wrapped practice how was it it was good we had uh just finished our walkthrough Gabe, it seems like uh, you guys are just uh, right there with the running game. I mean, just a a couple of uh, cuts here and there. you got a lot of young guys uh, working in there. So uh, tell us about where the run game is at right now. Uh, I feel like we're not far away. You know, uh, we just got to keep being more consistent with uh, the fits, the technique that we're being taught. And um, it's going to hit. Gabe, it feels like, at least from outside looking in, that – the first two weeks were different type of weeks, right? I felt like the Niners were a bit more physical than the Broncos. How do you feel? And if I'm right, how do you feel like that helps just the development of that old line and especially the young guys at the tackle spots? Uh, it's good. You know, for one, uh, you know, they played against some good guys, some good ends, and they uh, competed well and, and held up. So uh, that's always good. Uh, and caring for a guy that age and help with their um, confidence going leading forward. Uh, I'm going to ask a weird question. Don't take offense to it. But I think that there's this idea like, oh, if you have an emotional win, which week one was, but if you have an emotional win, then it's tough to get your head out of that for week two. Do you find that that's the case? Um, I mean, I, I can't speak, you know, for uh, like the team for everyone, as a whole. Yeah, yeah. But um, it, it's you can get in that to where you are excited. And it's also the other end of the spectrum to where when you lose and you're like, oh, man, yeah. it's, it's a horrible feeling. So. Um, you, you can't ride the highs and lows of you just got to know the truth behind it uh, what you did well what you did wrong and move on to the next week because it's, it's going to keep going yeah and Gabe you're in your ninth year so obviously you uh, you know how it goes are you taking the time to I'm sure you are but uh, taking the time to impart some wisdom you got some young fellows out there that uh, on the field tell us about uh, about what, what you've been talking to those guys about uh, I mean for one they're, they're a great group of guys uh, you know, the whole room, but the young guys, they're working hard. They, they try to take coaching. Um, and anything I can, I can tell them from my experience or just, you know, competing a uh, certain technique or try to, you know, explain certain things a different way that maybe they're not getting from the coach, you know, because everybody learns stuff different. I might say something different versus the coach, but we mean the same thing or um, stuff like that. Kind of a, a different question. I get here around 8.45, 9 o'clock, and y'all be rowdy as heck in there. What is going on Oh, my God, was, I have a video. It was so o'clock? loud. Can you tell me that, or is that kind of an in-house? We can't tell nobody what's going down. Uh, we just have fun, you know. Uh, every day we got to come in with good energy, uh, positive, and, and go out and compete and have fun. You know, this is this is a dream job. A lot of people wish they can do this, and I'm, I'm glad I can can do this. Sure. Is there is there basketball shooting? Oh, yeah. 
Is there any kind of like presentations that happen? Oh, yeah, sometimes, yeah. Have you had to, or when you were a new player last year, did you have to do any kind of presentation in front of the team? Oh, no, I didn't. Okay. That might, I, I think that's that. reserved for rookies. It's not <laughs> yeah. for a veteran, but. All right, so how's your basketball game, Gabe? When Important you get question. Up, Good one, Dave. Up to shoot. Uh, I'm, I'm a spectacular free throw shooter. Uh, <laughs> You can dunk. I don't know by now. It's been a while, but uh, <laughs> outside of that, uh, <laughs> I'm not that good. What, what about like? Isn't there ping pong in there too? Do you guys uh, have no. a ping pong table? Oh, okay. No. They used to have what? I, I oh, know you guys rooms. like to compete outside. Of, yeah, in the locker room. No, I, no I more can play pong. a little ping pong now. Okay. <laughs> Is there like Enough? a yard game where you're like like cornhole? Like, uh, what else are we looking at here? <laughs> you think about just what's your croquet? best game where you're like bowling okay where you're like i don't care what it is outside of football what could you beat you're pretty confident like 99 percent of your friends at oh uh, madden of course of course madden. <laughs> who do you play with in madden uh sometimes i go random i, I, I select random teams or i let you're uh, like it doesn't matter any yeah. place yeah do you, I like, go, do you I like play online playbook though what playbook i, I can't give can't give it away <laughs> <laughs> do you play online or do, or do you play with uh some of the dudes on the team uh, i play online yeah yeah who have you played against anyone on the team uh, I haven't actually. I need to start doing that. That'll, that'll be pretty fun. Man, they say old linemen become the best, some of the best coordinators because y'all understand the whole picture and what's going on. So when you do play, are you run heavy or are you balance attack? What's your approach? I, I keep it balanced, you know. I try to make everything look the same and have a little window dressing on there. Do stuff to make you trust me and then give you the same look and do something else. True you coordinator. Know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, Gabe, every team I was on, the the offensive line was always the tightest group. You guys, you guys got a tight group. You, are you going out to, uh, are you going to each other's houses, barbecue, things like that? Oh yeah, I mean we we pretty close. We'll we'll have dinner here and there and uh, get together, have fun, laugh and joke. Um, even just in the building, we always find time to, you know, just have fun. You know, uh, between practice or walkthroughs and meetings, joke, talk about life or whatever it is. So how eager are you guys to get back on the field? You got Atlanta coming into town, um, played, you know, two different type of teams. What does Atlanta present, and what's the the vibe like with the team to get back out there? Uh, we we ready to go back out there. You know, last week wasn't good enough, uh, so it's, it's another opportunity to get better and to win. What's the mindset like of um, like? Do you like feeling underestimated, or do you not pay any attention to it? Um, I, I really don't pay any attention to it. Yeah. Um, you know, because everybody's going to have their opinion about everything. But the truth is, we know what we have and we know what we can do. Because I know some people take fuel from that. What do you take fuel from then? Like when you're out there, when what really makes you feel like you're ready and you're in the moment? I'm I'm doing this. The I'm, adrenaline. I'm in the NFL. <laughs> like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm playing guard and that's something that I always want to do. So uh, you just got to take pride in, you know. Um, it's, it's plenty of obstacles that I had to get to go through to get here and other people as well. So. Um, those things help help push and drive me. I'll tell you what, Gabe, you know, a lot of guys at the end of their career, they will say, I wish I'd appreciated it more. Sounds like sounds like you appreciate it, man. Seem, um, you, you're aware of what, what you're doing, how great of a job you have. Oh, definitely. I, I told one of the uh, Rickers that uh, actually probably like two weeks ago, I was like, look, have fun. He was like, I am. I was like, listen, have fun and go by quickly, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much, you know, how long I'm going to play, you know, but at the, you know, at the end of the day, this, you know, it's not for long. So um, you just never know when it is. So you just have to have fun. It might be three years, four years, one yeah. year. You never know. So just enjoy and be glad and be in that moment. 
Gabe, yeah, play until up. all 32 slam the door in your face. I'm telling you, it's no good on the outside. Ask Bump. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, hey, slam that door on me quick, too. I like boy. KJ talking about now all you guys have to pay for film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just little <laughs> things. <laughs> Gabe's like, I don't, can't relate. I can't no. relate. So my, uh, my mom is from Jackson, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. My dad lives in Biloxi, Mississippi. How often do you get back, and have you brought your family up here to visit? Uh, I'm I, I stay in Mississippi you know, yeah. in the off season, so mm-hmm. uh, I'm there all the time. My, I, my family, they they just come out here. Yeah, uh, they they love it. Yeah. Uh, last question, ten seconds, and then we'll let you go. But I asked uh, Phil Haynes the same thing because he's mm-hmm. he's from Missouri. No, where is he from? He's from North uh, Carolina. North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah. So he talked about what he liked here and what he missed from home, mm-hmm. and he specifically talked about food because guys. Come oh, on, yeah. we're all alignment on the inside. <laughs> so, uh, is there any food that you really love here, or anything you really love here, and what do you miss from home? Uh, here, I'm definitely saying STK. That's, yes. That's, yes. Yeah. I, I love STK. Uh, back home, uh, it tastes good, but it's not good for you. I'm gonna have to go with Zaxby's. If it's a Zaxby here, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> All right. He is the starting offensive lineman, Gabe Jackson. Gabe, it was very nice meeting you. Nice talking to you today for the huddle. Thanks so much. Uh, thank you, you for listening me. to All the right, huddle you guys, with don't Dave Wyman, Michael this Bumpus, and Stacey Rost. We are going in the trenches with Ray Roberts. Ray, it wasn't a great day for the Seahawks offense, though. It felt like nothing could go right. I'm going to start with the run game, though. Are you surprised that Rashad Penny hasn't been used more? Uh, super surprised. I just, uh, the game, the NFL game pass has been doing me wrong for the last few days. So I finally got to see the, <laughs> the film today. And, uh, you know, there were some people saying that the, the, the offensive line didn't block well and this, that, and the other thing, but early in the game, they were creating lanes. I think that the, the Seahawks have kind of, uh, in this game got a little too cute with the running game with the, with the four running back package. And then the three running backs in the backfield and some of the, kind of not tricky stuff, but just kind of stuff they don't normally do. When last year at the end of the season, they were just one, you know, one back single backfield running the split zone, getting vertical push, letting Penny find holes and, and, and then great some yards. And they, they've kind of gotten away from that. I know part of it is maybe expanding the offense, but uh, it just didn't really put the guys in a position uh, uh, to, to be better running the ball and then give Penny more chances to run. Ray, don't get uh, me and Bump started on NFL Rewind. Nothing okay. like hearing former players for complain about paying for oh film. Ray, this goodness. has been my life for the entire week. Well, and, <laughs> and the I thing is, is they finally got back the all-22 <laughs> thing the way it should be, and then they don't show the clock or the quarter the or <laughs> the play or anything. It's like I'm just shaking my it's head. It's going to be like four years where we're all sideways, and then they go back to the way it was the you know in the beginning. So anyway, all right, right. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> hey, um, Ray, I was talking about their offensive line and some of the interesting things. Like if I'm a linebacker, um, you know, and I sent you that that one uh, where uh, Trent Williams and Aaron mm-hmm. Banks hook those wide. I think the defensive end did slant inside, but still, the, the, how they were able to do it, it's pretty, it's pretty special. And then I was looking at some of the tosses where the uh, guards come straight up the field instead of kind of giving it away. Um, it's, pretty, it's pretty interesting to see all the little uh, – because I'm not looking at it from an offensive lineman standpoint. I'm looking at it right. from a linebacker standpoint. Like, that's a hard read. What do you, what do you see with, uh, with the Niners running game that's, uh, that's special? Well, the one thing is what you're saying, like the guards do a really good job getting up to the linebackers. And, you know, we can say, you know, what we want about, you know, 
how people thought about Bobby Wagner maybe making a tackle four or five yards down the field, but he was making a tackle four or five yards down the field. I, in this game, the linebackers were getting eaten up a lot by yeah. the guards and tackles. And so the thing I like about San Francisco's offensive line is that they're not only – like sometimes you have a lot of athleticism. You don't have the physicality, but they have a, a great combination of both. You have you know Jason Peters, who is maybe one of the best – lineman to ever do it and he's still super athletic and strong and powerful and then the, the guards team to tend to follow that which is interesting because when i see the seahawks defense way more athletic but not as physical as you'd like for them to be so you don't see the i think 52 57 and 56 need to show up and be more impactful uh, they're running around looks like they're really busy but there's not a whole lot of physicality and production and impact in their game and so uh, I think they need to take some of that athleticism and turn it into some physicality to help this defense uh, perform better. Big Ray, I've been looking at the Seahawks play action and boot scheme um, because I look at the Niners and it seems to work for them, right? So then I look <laughs> at I look at the Seahawks and I go, okay, what's not working for these guys? Because the linebackers for the 49ers were extremely disciplined. I mean, they did not bite on the play fake. So do you think it's it's more of the play action by the offensive lineman showing run, or is it the mesh in the backfield between the quarterback and the running back? Is it the body language of Gino, or is it a combination of everything? Or, okay, another or, my bad, Big Ray. Or is it just that <laughs> those linebackers for the Niners are just that good? Well, no more ors, dang on it. Let's just, you've used all your ors for the whole season, okay? That's no it. more from you, Mike. Uh, I'm done. I'm no. done. Is it, Ray, this is a six-part question. <laughs> I know it, right? I think in the, like, uh, there's always this idea that you don't need a great running game to have great play action. And I think that that's true on certain plays. But when you're trying to run boots, you have to have some success running the ball away from where you're booting from to get those backside defenders to chase. If you don't have a running game and you feel like uh, that and it's getting stuffed on the front side, then those backside dudes have no no reason to go chasing. So they can just stay disciplined and stay back uh, on the backside and up the field and make it difficult. So if you look at, you know, like uh, for us, like Dwayne, I mean, not Dwayne, uh, Daryl um, Taylor is, is, is suspect to that because he, he chases everything, whether it's good or bad. And so he's susceptible to getting the boot back to his side because he chases the ball. So I, I think that at some times, I think you have to maybe – there was a couple times they had overhangs on the backside. So they had two guys on the line of scrimmage outside the tackle. And those are the dudes were booting back too. So now you got to fool two guys to get the, to, to make the boot work. And so maybe that's something that uh, Gino has the ability to check out of and then just go with the run what, or, or whatever, or change to a different pass play because it's, it's hard to fool one dude. It's super hard to fool two dudes. I want to look ahead to week three here. The week three opponent at home, Lumen Field, the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are 0-2, have put up 20-plus points in both of those losses, though. And um, in previous years, we might have said, oh, here's, you know, chalk it up to a win against a weak opponent. Ray, can you say that this year about these Seahawks? <laughs> you know, I, I normally save um, my get-right game prediction for teams that you kind of feel good about, that you're going to go in and get a win. Mm -hmm. But I think the Seahawks need a get-right game in, in the fact that they need to get their mentality right. Like, they like how what type of running offense are we going to be? Uh, you know, in the first game, uh, they were hunting and finding completions for Geno, throwing it to the tight end, taking those check downs, keeping the, the chains moving. 
In this game, it seemed like they were trying to push the ball down the field a little more, a little more and maybe even force some throws and not trying to hunt and find for completions. You know, one of the things I had been tracking was the amount of touches between the tight ends and the running backs. The first game, they had a combined, I think, uh, like 20-something touches for 162 yards and two touchdowns. In this game, they had 16 total touches for 44 yards and no touchdowns. So uh, I think that uh, maybe – going back to that model of trying to find completion versus trying to force the ball down the field and then really truly deciding like how, how the heck are we going to run the ball? Are we going to be this multiple looks in the backfield and pulling and, and you know, all these things, or are we going to go back to just getting downhill and then add those things as add-ons and not as the offense. So I think if they can get that mindset right. And then on defense, like I said, the 50 numbers, 52, 57, 56, uh, they need to find a way to show up in the game in a way that's impactful. Daryl is rushing hard and running fast, but missing tackles and being undisciplined and things. And then, I mean, I mean, obviously planning us against get offensive line and in, in, uh, 49ers, but there was a few times where, you know, Cody Barton was 15 yards down the field, you know, up under one of the offensive linemen. So can't play like that and expect to stop the run. So I think they have to really bring some physicality on defense and then, figure out what the identity is going to be on offense. Really good things to watch for in this game. He is Ray Roberts. You can hear him again on the Seahawks pre and post game show with Michael Bumpus. Ray, thanks so much. Oh, thanks for having me. You guys have a good one. See you, Ray. See ya. Uh, all right. We're going to get an opponent preview coming up at 1.30, talking with Andy Bunker of 92.9, the game out in Atlanta. Before then, though, one more local voice. How about the voice of the Seahawks? Steve Rabel joins us next. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. Joining us now, it's Steve Rabel, voice of the Seahawks. Steve, how's it going? Turn oh, on Rabel. your phone, old man. <laughs> <laughs> um, open I'm your right phone. Here. I'm right here. <laughs> hey, Raves, obviously this is a game that uh we all want to forget and move forward. But um were you were you surprised in any way to see the game they had against San Francisco? Forget what? <laughs> <I forgot>. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. Sorry. Uh yes, and you're talking to as Dave said, an old man, so uh, I tend to forget a lot. Um so, yes, um, what, what do I remember about this game? What would I like to forget? I, I, you know, it's it's still early. We all tend to kind of get a little carried away, I think. You know, it's the second game, and we're one and one. It's not like we got blown out the first week and lost this week, and, and people are scrambling for answers. Uh, but I just think, as I said uh, after the game on Sunday uh, down there in the Bay Area, I mean, we just have to – just have to execute a whole lot better on offense, on defense, with the exception of a blocked field goal attempt on special teams as well. And and I fully expect that's going to happen. Well, and the other thing too, Steve, I think it's almost good for this team because of all the teams in the NFL, that team executes more than anyone. We saw on defense, they weren't they weren't falling for any of the trick plays and on offense, it was great. But I, I guess my hope is that they leave the young guys out there, let them, you know, continue to, I don't want to say fail, but let them learn lessons. And then, you know, by maybe the next time that uh, they play the Niners, when that comes around, they're, uh, they're up to the task. Yeah, I think we talked about it, Dave. You know, the, the Niners are what the Seahawks want to be, the way they play football. Yeah. With that kind of, that ability to disrupt the opposing offense with that great defensive front, that rush game that they have, 
uh, on defense is, is pretty outstanding. They've got really good linebackers that can run sideline to sideline. And quite frankly, you know, they didn't have a lot of the guys that were in recent memory, the, the really fine defensive players that they've had, but the guys in the secondary played well also. I mean, it, it took a, a miraculous one-handed catch uh, for DK Metcalf to make a, a long reception, one of the few passes downfield that, that Gino was able to complete, and it got called back because of a penalty. So those guys, that, that's the kind of defense we want to play. And offensively, in, in how many, how few words can I say it? We want to run the ball like they do. And I think we have the ability and the, and the players, especially in the running back spot, we got the guys, but we have to do a better job in, in opening some, even the smallest sliver of a gap for those guys to be able to, uh, to break free. We just need to do a better job uh, across the front. Uh, and and all across the offense. Rez, we saw Lockett go for over 100 on nine catches, but um, you mentioned DK's big play being called back. You try to get him the football in the end zone with DJ Dallas throwing at that that little trick play. Um, What are things that you think this offense can do to make sure 14 is getting his touches down the field? Well, I think, as you know, uh, and we've talked about it a lot, that that kind of shell coverage that they play basically comes out to be almost a double coverage to the outside. And and that, you know, I, I still give DK an opportunity to make, uh, make plays even against double coverage. The tough part is if you throw back inside against the double coverage, you're, you're counting on trouble for the safety to, you know, to undercut the play, make it, make a, an interception or at least a knockdown. So if you're going to try to get it to DK, it's to my way of thinking, at least right now, um, it, it's to the outside. It's on the edges. It's letting him go up and make the play on the sidelines. He can out jump anybody. He's faster than 99% of those guys. That's to me where a lot of those opportunities for DK are and, and, and inside, but, on a quicker pass, the slant routes before you get to the safety uh, and then let him run with the football. Tyler is great because he throttles down. He knows exactly where those open areas are. He can stop. His quarterback knows how he's going to respond. Uh, and then he catches everything that's in his zip code. So uh, I think that's one of the ways that you utilize those guys. And the, and the other thing is you got to run the football for teams to be able to focus a little bit on the run and have to honor that. And maybe they can't drop back in double coverage all the time. Maybe they can't drop back in that shell. Uh, If you can't run against their defensive front and their linebackers without bringing the safeties down, then you're going to make your offense uh, pretty, you know, one dimensional. And that's, that's not how you win football games. Now, this is a related question. Normally, um, Steve, I would ask whose name do you hope to hear more on the next broadcast, but you're the one saying the name. So in this case, uh, whose name do you hope you're calling more in this game? Wow, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. Well, I, you know, I was hoping that we'd get a chance to really see what uh, Ken Walker III uh, is all about, and he had just no luck at all, nowhere to run, and and it was difficult for him. Uh, I think it's going to start. I think it's going to start with with Rashad Penny. We have to get him off the dime. We have to get him breaking free on some runs because again, that sets that sets up everything else. Um, and then, yeah, I, I would like to see DK get more involved. I mean, he's got some catches, but not for very much yardage. And uh, you know, when you can run the ball and hit those pass plays that you know, like 
you're in a second and four or a third and five situation as opposed to third and 12. I mean, I heard Tyler talking about it after the game. How many times were we in those situations? Well, first of all, we didn't have the ball a lot, but it seemed like third down was third and forever a lot. And those are tough plays to, to, to recover from. So you need to convert those kind of things to give those players, uh, Rashad and, and DK, an opportunity to do what they do. Rabes, who's a guy that you, you've uh, come to rely on in these, this short season, couple couple of games, but you know, throw out there Nuosu. It looks like Charles Cross is playing pretty good, but on, on the bright side, somebody that, that stands out to you that you've been calling uh, their, their names on the broadcast quite a bit. Right now, I'd say Al Woods. Uh, I mean, you know, we're not getting a whole lot of pressure. Nuosu, yes, is getting some pressure off the edge, but for just kind of causing havoc, at the beginning of a play and in the backfield, just taking the center and guard and throwing them aside until he can get to the running back or the quarterback. And maybe he doesn't make the play, but just the disruption that he causes. And what I think Pete was saying after the game was, yeah, we're getting disruption up there, but then we're not getting other guys to get to the point of attack to make the play. And that's something else that you have to got to get off blocks, got to get up field. But Al and it's not a surprise. I mean, he is a pro's pro. He is prepared, and he's just a huge human being, for crying out loud. So when he when he causes what he causes in the middle of that offensive front, you have to take advantage of that. You have to rally those guys, the other guys around him, to make plays at the football. And I'm, I'm happy to be calling Al's name early and often, and I hope I get to do it again a lot this week. Ray, well, it's been a while since we've seen a big return, whether it be punt return or kickoff return. Are you surprised that Tyler Lockett is back returning kicks? And uh, could you see anybody else being a returner back there making a big play for the Hawks? Well, I'm not surprised, uh, mostly because he's he's just so good. He's so sure-handed. I'm, I'm talking about Tyler, obviously. Uh, and he, he just will continuously make plays um, and – you know, I, you, you count on him not to drop the ball. I'm a little surprised. I'm kind of wondering why D is not back there because they, they sort of had talked about him in terms of being the number one return guy, especially for a guy like Tyler who's out there on the field so many offensive plays. you got to give these guys a little bit of a chance to take a break. So I, I don't quite know what the story is on D. I know he didn't practice a lot during training camp, and he's been fighting a hamstring issue. I get all that. But he's a pretty talented guy too, and, and – they have just not utilized him at all, at least not. Uh, they've tried, perhaps, but he, he just hasn't shown up. They haven't been able to get him the ball. So uh, I'm a little surprised that Tyler's back there. I'm looking for, for uh, Dallas, DJ, to kind of break off a kick return here and, and, and you know, get it out past the 30. you, you got to be careful sometimes. DJ gets a little excited, and, you know, he runs the length of the field, the width of the field, to try to get to that one kickoff. By the time he turned up field and started running, they were already to the ten yard line. The Niners were, and they made the tackle. So you gotta, you know, you you gotta be thinking uh, along those lines too. But yeah, I'd like to see a big return coming up here, and it sure is a way to get quick points and easy points. And sometimes they don't show up as much in the stats, but they sure help not only on the scoreboard, but they help turn the tide of a game. All right, he is the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. Th- Steve, thanks so much. All right, kid. Thank you. See ya. All right, do not look past the Atlanta Falcons. I feel like that has been the theme of some of our conversations so far. So let's get an opponent preview with Andy Bunker. He joins us next.
You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Rost. We're going to take uh, an opponent preview here in just one minute with Andy Bunker of 92.9 The Game out in Atlanta. Uh, before we get Andy on the line, uh, Bump, I'm going to jump to you. I asked Dave this last question, but um, you mentioned Marcus Mariota uh, earlier. I know that for many people, they see him as a bridge quarterback out in Atlanta. Has he still got some deadly weapons there? Oh, yeah, he's got some weapons. Got Drake in London, the reigning Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. And he didn't play with the last, like, three games at USC. That's how good he was, broke his ankle. You got Kyle Pitts over there, the receiver slash tight end out of Florida a couple years ago, top 10 pick. And then uh, you got Patterson in the backfield, a guy who does a little bit of everything. We've seen him at running back, receiver, the return game. So there are some weapons that you have to pay attention to. And the thing about a veteran quarterback is, they just know the game. Look at Joe Flacco over there with the Jets, man. He they trust this man to throw the ball 40 times, 50 times for one game. So um, this Atlanta team isn't a team that you expect to do much this year, mm-hmm. but you expect them to be competitive, and they've been that so far. All right, let's bring on Andy Bunker right now of 92.9 The Game out in Atlanta. Uh, Andy, we were just talking about uh, Mariota, obviously, but um, I, it's really fascinating to me. This is an Atlanta Falcons team that, uh, much like the Seahawks, not a lot of folks outside of these cities had high expectations for. Have they surprised you this year? Have they fallen in line with what you thought? I think in in some ways they've fallen in line. I mean, there's been some there's been some good surprises early in terms of individuals, but um, they're zero and two, and they played two really good teams, and you know they were competitive in in both of them. Kind of opposite games where they had a big lead in week one and, and blew the lead, and then in week two they were really far behind and and came almost all the way back. But to know that they're 0-2 or two if I would have known that they would be 0-2 I, I wouldn't be surprised I guess I'm a little bit surprised at how they got here but mm. yeah it's a, it's pretty much what folks were expecting this football team to look like Andy it was it's great to hear your voice first of all um hey uh we hey, were man. just talking how to yeah I'm good man um good. are you coming out for the game by the way I wish man I yeah. wish I, I would love to go see UW play Stanford on Saturday but <laughs> Unfortunately, I am. I am not. Yeah. Well, we were just talking to Rabel uh, about uh, Al Woods and how he's kind of uh, an unsung hero, just a guy in there battling. Who who would be a team or I'm sorry, a, a player on the Atlanta Falcon team that, that you would say the same thing about? Probably Grady Jarrett. I mean, I, he's, he's such a good player right in the middle of the defensive line. And you know, the interesting thing about Grady is he's kind of been around for a long time now. He was a rookie on that team that went to the Super Bowl. And he just hasn't had a ton of guys around him. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, kind of still doesn't. I mean, they're building a young defense around him right now. And, um, but he's such a, such a good player, such a steady player. Um, hopefully, as the Falcons, you know, are in year two now of a new coach and a new general manager as they're rebuilding this roster, hopefully before Grady gets too old, they can put some guys around him and, and really try to build up that defensive line. But, it's it's an interesting he's an interesting guy and in, in that he's just been such a good player for now such a long time for the Falcons and unfortunately you know he went from as a young player on a really good team to the last handful of years they just haven't been very good so hopefully they can put some dudes around him so by the time he's uh, you know, by the time he's out of the league he will have played on a decent defensive line. Andy, speaking of some young dudes, you guys have a good young receiver in Drake and London over there. You also have the tight end slash receiver Kyle Pitts and Mariota, the old man leading the charge over there with the offense. Has there been 
any rumbles of people wanting to see Desmond Ritter or do the fans and the organization realize that uh, or have come to the conclusion that they're just going to take their time and develop this young man? I think that before week one, pretty much everybody was on the same page about Mariota. Um, He looked good in preseason. He played in Arthur Smith's offense when they were together in Tennessee. Um, You know, Desmond Ritter was a third round draft pick. So I think people were kind of on the same page as far as, okay, you know, let let the offense maybe be what it's going to be with Mariota. At some point, if Mariota gets banged up, which which he often does, or, you know, depending on how the season's going later in the year, maybe you'll see Ritter. But then week one and two happened, and and like we talked about earlier, the Falcons were competitive. They had a chance to win both games, and Mariota made some pretty critical mistakes in, in both of those games. There was a chance. The Falcons were up big against the Saints in week one. They had a chance to go up 30 to 10. And Mariota fumbled um, inside the 10-yard line. And, and mm. ultimately, they, they come away with three points. But and they really could have put the Saints away midway through the second half had that drive resulted in a touchdown. Um, last week, some, some overthrows, um, a bad decision in the red zone late in the game, which resulted in an interception. Jalen Ramsey went up and got one. And then the final play of the game, Falcons got the ball back and, and had a chance at a Hail Mary. And Mariota took a pretty bad sack. So... I think the, the 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 actual games playing out the way that they have has gotten a lot of Falcons fans interested in seeing Desmond Ritter. I mean, if, if the Falcons are going to be losing games anyway, you might as well, this is what people are saying. I don't know if this is the reality or not, but you might as well do that with the young guy and see what you have. They're not going to do that yet. They're going to let Mariota have, my guess would be at least the the first six weeks or so of the season. But look, if Sunday goes the same way and if the Falcons and the Seahawks are in a fight and Marcus Mariota throws an interception, um, you know, he only has so many mistakes before the young kid gets to take over. Any key injuries in this one we should know about? For the most part, the Falcons are in pretty good shape. Um, you know, they, they've been banged up a little bit at the receiver position. Not, not London. London was banged up throughout the entire preseason, but he's okay now. Uh, but but on down the depth chart, uh, they lost their what I guess was the starting running back in Damian Williams week one. But that just allows the Falcons to to start Tyler Algier, who was their draft pick out of BYU. So by and large, the the Falcons are in pretty good shape coming into this game. Is that a pretty faithful fan base out there, Andy? Uh, the, the Falcons have. They have to be. <laughs> they have to be, man. It's. Uh, it's not easy to be a Falcons fan. Um, they are a very faithful fan base. I mean, I, I know that folks might tune into games, home games every, you know, every Sunday and see some empty seats, but um, people care a lot about the team. They just, they want to be entertained. They, they want to see something good on the field. And unfortunately the last handful of years, it, it hasn't been great. And, you know, throughout the history of the franchise, it, it hasn't, been great so if they weren't diehards they wouldn't have any fans so (laughs) Falcons Falcons fans are tough man they uh it's uh it's it's been a tough couple years but hopefully you know new coach new general manager there are some exciting young players like you guys talked about with Drake London and Kyle Pitts we kind of see it coming together a little bit but yeah man Falcons fans have been through it I was going to say, to be fair, they've been through a lot of heartbreak. So uh, 
I'll, I'll give him that one. It's not that long ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nope. 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 All right. He is Andy Bunker of 92.9 The Game out in Atlanta, giving us an opponent preview of this week's upcoming opponent here in Seattle, the Atlanta Falcons. Thanks, Andy. Have a good one. Hey, thank you, guys. See ya. All right. Um, we're wrapping things up, you guys. So uh, we're going to have John Boyle, who's the team reporter for Seahawks.com. He's going to join us, going to give us a few injury updates, but also kind of wrap up our preview of Atlanta. And then we're going to all share our, our final thoughts, some keys to the game. Do not go anywhere. This is the huddle. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Rost. Uh, a couple updates here um, from John Boyle, set to join us in just a couple minutes. Jamal Adams had surgery. Everything went well. He's home recovering uh, right now. So, I mean, that's certainly a good thing. But, um, Dave, I'm going to start with you for this question, uh, inspired by something Michael Bumpus said, but I'm going to go to you okay. first for your reaction. Did it feel when you were watching the game against the 49ers, like, Jamal Adams uh, loss was especially obvious. Yeah. I, I just think that's going to be the case in every game this year. I, I have such a high opinion of him and I'm not alone because, you know, uh, Clint hurt talks about him all the time and, and about what a special player he is. And, you know, when you, when you lose a guy like that, there's just no replacing him and it's nothing against, I love Josh Jones. His story is fantastic. We had him on our show and he just, um, he's a very inspiring player. And I think, you know, he'll get it. But look, I mean, it doesn't matter what, um, you know, who's who's backing up Jamal Adams. I I mean, unless it's like Minka Fitzpatrick or, you know, some somebody who, who's a pro bowler, you're just not going to quite get the same out of him. So, yeah, Jamal is just um, he, he's irreplaceable. But look, I, I, it's next guy up. And, you know, as much of a shame as that is, it's uh, it's just something that's part of every season that, you know, you're going to have injuries to key uh, figures yeah. as, as the season goes on. Joining us right now, John Boyle, reporter for Seahawks.com, official team reporter. John, you just released your mailbag on Seahawks.com. I did. What was the most common concern you got from fans? You know, it, it, there's really kind of two obvious ones. The, the offense just not scoring in six quarters. There's a lot of reasons for that, but if you go six quarters without an offensive score, that's concerning. And then defensively, I think people are worried about the missed tackles we're seeing, the, the big runs that have been allowed. So, um, And those line up with what Pete Carroll's been talking about as well, so it's not like the team doesn't know they've got some things to clean up. Josh Jones is the new Jamal Adams. I shouldn't even say that. There's no replacement Yeah, let's not Jamal put that Adams, on. <laughs> but Josh Jones is in for Jamal Adams, but um, we saw him play in the box in some ways that we felt Jamal Adams would play. He had a TFL, I believe. Um, what's the feeling around Josh Jones' first performance being in that role? You know, Pete Carroll said it was pretty solid. There was, you know, a couple of missed tackles, I believe, that they'd, they'd like to get fixed. But he did most everything they asked him to and did it well. Uh, you know, going back to last week, he's a guy they have a lot of confidence in, both him and Ryan Neal. Nobody's going to be Jamal. He's too unique of a player, so right. you're not going to replicate everything Jamal Adams does. But they do have a lot of faith in those guys to hold it down with Jamal out. Yeah, John, you wrote a great article about Josh Jones, and maybe maybe take us uh, uh, through that a little bit because uh, maybe I asked you about this last week. I'm not. I don't think so because we talked to him on Friday. But just you know, it was kind of to me, it was like a, an example of the power of Pete Carroll. How yeah, Pete. He it just gets the most out of guys and he gives them pep talks and gets them going. And it's like, he turned his career around. Yeah. You know, I think that's one of Pete Carroll's biggest strengths is instilling confidence in guys. And Josh Jones has said, you know, he probably wouldn't be here right now if it weren't for Pete Carroll, that 
you know, he, he's a guy that kind of bounced around, was seen as a disappointment as a second-round pick who didn't really make it. He only lasted two years in Green Bay. Came here, played well in one game last year, but come off season, he wasn't sure he really was, wanted to go through all this again. He'd been, you know, cut a bunch of times, been on a bunch of practice squads, had a, his third child on the way and just kind of thought, is this worth this whole mm. grind again? And he said it really came down to Pete Carroll calling him this spring is around draft time and just being like, Hey, what's going on? Let's get you back out here. And you know, he, he kind of talked him into it, made him believe in himself. And now here he is a starter, probably, you know, for most of the season now, it sounds like, man, I love Pete for that. He always yeah. finds a way to bring the best out of people, man. And I think he's going to bring the best out of Kobe Bryant. We saw a bit more of him mm-hmm. this weekend at that nickel spot. And what have we seen out of him? And do you think we'll still see rotation between him and JC? Yeah. I mean, for, we got to see, first of all, if Justin Coleman's back health wise, cause that was kind of what put, Kobe in that role but you know we saw them before the injury they were kind of competing in camp and they gave um Kobe a little bit of work in the opener but Justin handled that role for the most part but yeah I think you know once they're both healthy I I think we're gonna see Kobe push him for playing time there I mean he did a lot of things well there's pretty crucial penalty there on third down and Pete Carroll talked about that today that that's you know not just him all over the secondary they got to clean up some penalty issues but uh, other than that they liked what he did a lot in that first kind of full full full-time playing role for him. P. Carroll talked about letting Gino loose. How did mm-hmm. you interpret that? You know, I think it just means uh, t- having confidence in him to make some more difficult throws and, you know, challenge defenses a little more. If mm-hmm. teams are going to, you know, really commit to stopping certain things, take advantage of that. And, you know, he's completing 80% of his passes through two games. So he's accurate. It's just, you know, a lot of them have been short, very safe throws. So I think it's, they want to see him push the ball downfield a little bit more and take some more shots so they get that, explosive part of the passing game going can't say enough about al woods john i mean mm-hmm. he, they made him the uh, the captain and you certainly can see uh, how, how the effect that he's having i mean that guy no matter what goes out and and plays a good game yeah i mean he's been so good since you know really last year when they brought him back he you know he's been one of their most consistent defensive players now going back to the 2021 season Three tackles for loss last week. That's a career high for him and seven tackles, which, you know, as you know, Dave, that's not a huge number for a linebacker, but that's a heck of a lot of tackles for a nose tackle type player. So, yeah, I mean, he is such a steadying force, great leader and really a playmaker, too. So they love having him in the middle, mixing it up. John, we talk a lot of these about these young guys and how they're developing, Mm -hmm. but I'm also interested to see how these coordinators develop. You know, Clint Hurt going to his third, uh, excuse me, third week as a coordinator, Shane Waldron. To me, like his first real season, being able to do exactly what he wants to do, is there something we should be looking for on both sides of the ball from the coordinators? Yeah, I mean, offensively, I think it goes back to what we just talked about with Gino is maybe it's time to just open up the passing game a little more and get a little more aggressive. Uh, But I think where we might see more change week to week is the defense just because it's all so new. They're doing a lot of different new things, and they weren't really wanting to show it in the preseason, nor did they have most of their starters in in the preseason so Pete Carroll kind of alluded to that earlier in the week being part of the tackling issues. There's just a lot of newness in this yeah. scheme, and they want to get, you know, obviously sometimes it's just a guy making a play, but part of the tackling issue that he pointed out is they need more guys around the ball. You know, you don't want it to always be one guy having to make that play by himself. So schematically, I think we're just going to see this defense kind of find itself as the season goes along. All right, I have an assignment for, I'll say all four of us. Okay. I'll, I'll play two. Um, so I'm going to tell you it now so that Wyman, you're going first. You have a minute to think about it. Uh, I want us all to, uh, think about basically what we learned about this Seahawks team in week two, and then maybe a key to either a victory in week three or something you just want to see in week three, something you're interested in could be a player. It could be, um, 
anything, anything really. So, uh, Wyman, I'll start with you. John, I've loved having you here for these, by the way. Help oh, us you. wrap up the huddle. So thank if you. you will go after Wyman and Bump, uh, we'll have you go third, and I'll, I'll wrap everything up. So, Let's Wyman, take yeah. it away. Uh, well, I saw what Ray saw, and that's that uh, the linebackers are physical at the point of attack, but they just need to get off blocks. You know, that's that's one thing I think that I love Jordan and love Cody and those guys. Uh, I think that's something that they got a little bit too, uh, my coach used to call it, don't get in a personal battle with the offensive guard. You know, hit him, shed him, get off the block, kind of like Jamal Adams does. So, you know, that that's something that's key. I think also, you know, outside backers, particularly Daryl Taylor, um, he's kind of the chase the mailman guy. I mean, he needs to slow it down and, you know, be – more disciplined and then for him you know it's it's missed tackles so those guys just need to work on that once that comes around those are all three just spectacular players you know i'll stick with defense i i think one thing we've really learned in two weeks is both the cornerbacks mike jackson and Tariq Wollen, are really good at being all over their guys being in coverage now we need to see them just figure out that fine point of being all over them without getting the flags because there's been too many flags and I, i'll tie that into you know what i want to see in this game is just how about no penalty extending third down drives? Because those <laughs> are just crushers. Six first downs to an opponent. Yeah, I mean, you, 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 the ball hits the ground and everybody thinks you're off the field, and then oh, now there's that yellow flag somewhere yeah. in the secondary. So, I think this defense is good enough to you know get a lot of stops and help this team win games if they can stop handing those extra first downs out. Bump the job gets harder and harder as it gets down <laughs> to you. Go ahead. Well, that, that's the worst, <laughs> right? When you they make a play on third You're down, like, and I'm looking on the TV like, where's the flag? Please, no yeah, flag. Yeah. Um, something I saw Ken Walker with that eight yard run inside. I believe it was the ten or inside the fifteen was an impressive run. Like, you see yeah. the wiggle, the change of direction. Like, that run got me excited. Now, he's going to learn real quick this is the NFL. You're not going to be able to switch fields and do all that stuff all the time. But I saw a young man that once he gets acclimated to this game, he could be something nice. Mm. Um, what I need to see, I need to see more of that three running back or four running back. If you're going to do that, if that's going to be part of your game plan, put it on film and let's run it a bit more before we start trying to take take shots and then the end zone. And I feel like DJ Dallas, if he did it again, he would complete that throw. But it's just, I just want to see, if that's going to be part of your offense, let's see it a bit more this week. I'm getting very meta, very existential for the final thought. Ten seconds here. I think we've learned uh, that this team knows who they want to be. They have yet to really tap into it, though. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to, in week three, see one of those two things get going. Either the defense can get some takeaways, no interceptions yet on defense, or against a run defense that's allowing 108 yards per game. We can get Penny going in this one. This has been The Huddle. John Boyle joining us for our final thoughts and a wrap-up here. For Dave Wyman, for Michael Bumpus, I'm Stacy Ross. Don't forget, every single, well, normally Thursday, today yep. on Wednesday, every single Thursday from noon to 2 p.m., your Seahawks preview. This has been The Huddle.